Hello and welcome to Overinvested, a podcast about pop culture obsessions. I'm Gavia Baker-Whitelaw and here is my co-host Morgan Davies. Hello. So this week we watched Hustlers. Great movie. Um, Starring an ensemble cast headed up by Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez, Hustlers is generating a ton of buzz this week. Uh, Like Magic Mike, it's a stripper movie that combines sex and comedy with serious commentary about gender and capitalism. Based on a true story, it's about a group of strippers who scam rich men by drugging them at a strip club and stealing their credit card details. The core relationship is between Constance Wu, who's the sort of young, more naive stripper, and Jennifer Lopez, who's like the stripper star who knows the business. Yes, indeed. This movie rules. It rules. Great film. I had not been aware of this, like, at all until the Toronto International Film Festival, when all of a sudden, all the film critics I follow on Twitter were like, Jennifer Lopez should win an Oscar. And I was like, say what now? Like The power she has in this film. The power. Yeah, I wasn't skeptical. I just was like, wait, what what film? Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And they were like, for the stripper movie. And I was like, what is happening? Like, what is, what is this? And uh, they were talking about the movie Hustlers, which I literally did not know existed until the film festival so uh they did not promote that well and then it made like 35 million dollars on its opening weekend which for an r-rated drama film is extremely good so sometimes word of mouth and a movie actually being a good film does work and people go see it so this was very exciting to me i think it was something like almost 70 percent of the audience was female and also like something around that number was over 25 years old so adult women will go to the movies if you make movies about adult women who knew so this movie is a big success and it deserves it because it's awesome it is so good I had the best time watching this like in terms of just pure pleasure at the cinema right I think this probably was the best time I've had the movies this year it's just great It's also really impressive because like the two kind of moments that people talk about are really front loaded. Like the main one that people are really kind of jazzed about is Jennifer Lopez does this pull routine to Criminal by Fiona Apple, which is a bold choice. Selected by the director, Lorene Scafaria, who has directed a couple of movies. She's an actress and also a musician and really knows her music as we'll kind of go into later. If you've seen Whip It, she did the main song from Whip It, which is like addictively good. But so there's this incredible stripper pole routine from Jennifer Lopez. And then like a couple of scenes later, there's the scene where she sort of envelops uh, Constance Wu in her already iconic fur coat. And I was like, wait, these two things happen in like the first 10 minutes of the movie, which is unusual. Like usually people kind of talk about stuff that happens later on. And then it continues to be great for the rest of the film. Really entertaining movie with lots of thought put into it and lots of cool detail and like the costumes and stuff. So I went and saw this movie with a friend of mine at uh, the huge multiplex up town, uh, Lincoln Square, and we went to the Doldy screening because that was the one that happened to be at the right time. I don't know if you've ever been to a Dolby screening room, but uh, that's the one where the sound is so huge that your seats will literally shake when it's loud. I had not had this experience before, <laughs> and I think that many people in the audience had not because when they do the sort of intro being like, you were in a Dolby theater. The picture is so much better. The sound is so much better to convince you to come back. The sh- the seats literally start shaking and like half the audience burst out laughing because we were all just like, <laughs> what have we done? Like what happened? <laughs> so I had literally like the platinum movie going experience to see Hustlers, which was perfect because every song that happened was like 
thudding from the sides of the <laughs> cinema. Like, it was just a completely immersive, like, I mean, tremendous. Just a tremendous time. This was one of those movie theaters also, as you would guess from my description, where you're in, like, the reclining chairs and every all the seats are picked out in advance, right? And I think there were two empty seats next to me and then one, um, like, middle-aged black woman who was there by herself on the end of the aisle, who was keeping a very vocal running commentary up throughout <laughs> the film, which was fantastic. At one point later on, when they're starting to do something, like, very stupid, I don't remember what exactly, she starts going on about these idiots, like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but the best was definitely, at the moment early in the film that you were describing, where... So Jennifer Lopez does this pole dance routine and Constance Wu is watching from the audience with this expression on her face of just like, who is this woman? Oh my God, right? And she follows her up onto the roof where Jennifer Lopez is wearing the fur coat. And Jennifer Lopez says to her, come inside my coat, which is like, there's a lot happening there. And this woman next to me goes, damn. And I was like, (laughs) yes, I agree. Correct. That is the correct response to this. And the movie continued from there in that vein. And I was just like, great. I just keep, keep it coming. Like I I want more. And the movie delivered. It knew exactly what it was, what everyone wanted. And it just gave you everything. I mean, perfect. Like the way we're describing it makes the sound kind of like pulpy and fun, which it is, but it's genuinely like very good. Like it's a good movie. The direction is fantastic. It's not, um, it was felt very controlled. Like it moves through quite a bit of time and um, things happening between the various characters in a way that felt very intelligent and sort of um, non-gratuitous. Like you get just yeah, enough. I mean, of- I, I realize the Magic Mike comparison is really obvious, but it has all the best parts of the two Magic Mike films, right? Because like the first one is like structurally it's quite similar because it's like you have the older more experienced stripper and then the young ingenue but like in the first magic mike movie the protagonist young guy played by alex pettifer is shit you're just like give me more channing tatum but the first one is also more kind of downbeat it's more explicitly about kind of economic issues and that sort of thing and then the second one is like a buddy comedy movie and it's much more just like, this is awesome and like celebrate women, you know? And th- this film, Hustlers, is kind of a combo of those two elements, right? And the central relationships like are as strong as they are in the second Magic Mike movie, but it's also kind of a bit more serious in terms of subject matter. And there's kind of like the, the main characters have all these obligations and it's about how they're kind of forced into a life of crime by their situations. Like they can't get other jobs, like they have kids. And it's explicitly set during and after the financial crisis 2007 to 2014 kind of period and it's based on um like a factual news article as many films are which i've not read but um it's kind of like directly taken from that yes i have read that article it's called um the hustlers at scores it was written for new york magazine by the writer jessica pressler who has written many notable long-form articles <laughs> the past 10 years or so. She the also famous wrote... Channing Tatum interview, actually. Yes. So there's a celebrity profile from 2011 where she and Channing Tatum like got drunk in the desert and just like wound up camping out. <laughs> like a lot of stuff happens in that profile. It's amazing. It was published very soon before or after the Eve Zimmerman profile of Chris Evans that like is famous to this day. Iconic. A great time for the celebrity profile. She also wrote the Anna Delvey article last year, which people oh. may remember. Yes, which was about the young woman who was like living in a fancy hotel in Manhattan for a long time and just like scamming people out of money. So lots of scammer stuff 
Um, and the article about these women whose names were changed for the film, but it, you know, it's very, very faithful to the article. It's a really good article. I would recommend reading it. Um, I found it really interesting. And the changes that they did make, I thought, were quite fascinating because the details of the story and what sort of happened to these people are pretty much preserved. What happens in the movie is essentially what happened to these people in real life. But the character Constance Wu plays comes across as much flintier in the article. So the structure of the movie is that uh, Constance Wu's character, Destiny, is telling the story of all this stuff to this reporter who's played by Jessica Stiles in the film. So she doesn't have a ton of screen time, but occasionally they'll cut away to them having this conversation and Constance Wu kind of being like, well, but are you going to put that in the article? Or like, I'm not sure I want to keep telling you this. And then inevitably she keeps talking because the movie has to continue. And you get all of the stuff about this relationship between Constance Wu and uh, Jennifer Lopez, which is the emotional core of the film. And there's not so much of that at all in the article. Um, And the Constance Wu character who is quite sympathetic in the film, although she does a lot of stuff that you're sort of like, "Eh, I don't know about this necessarily, is presented in the article definitely as much more of an operator and is totally like remorseless about all of it. And um, because you don't have that sort of emotional relationship at the heart of the story, it's just not as emotionally affecting. I found it really interesting because you just get this picture of these people who were sort of like, yeah, well, we did this thing and sort of whatever. Um, But then it was also interesting to see that in the context of what they decided to add for the movie because they obviously were like, well, this movie needs to, like, have feelings. So... I mean, like, I've even seen, like, I think it was a quote from the writer-director, Lorene Scafari, where she was sort of, like, explicitly describing the central relationship as a romance, which it really is. And there's, like, a lot of kind of homoerotic subtext going on in this film like in a big way and it's very much like a romance between them where even though you can sort of tell like Jennifer Lopez's character has the power and you're all the way through you're like oh it's not gonna end well for Constance it's a much more kind of forgiving portrayal of like the sort of tougher of those two women than you might see in like other things like it's not just like oh she turns out to be manipulative and bad at the end it's like more nuanced and you can tell that she like really does have feelings for Constance Wu's character I think the other thing I assume they added is like it's much more explicit in its kind of comparison and commentary about Wall Street because obviously the guys they're targeting are all explicitly rich shitheads and like there's a lot of kind of the the way men appear in this film is they're very peripheral like intentionally there aren't any like male roles there are men who are in the film but like they're not characters they're kind of the marks Um, and like some of them are quite sympathetic and you feel bad that they've been you know drugged and robbed but most of them it's just like look the kind of guys who are like millionaire wall street guys who go to a strip club are all shit like they're shit (laughs) so so you kind of are like this is like a morally acceptable crime (laughs) oh that's in the article too i assure you not that it's like fine to do this but basically the what makes the film interesting in that way and also quite solidly enjoyable up to certain parts of the end. I mean, not that it's not still enjoyable, but you get the more morally complex stuff near the end of the film is that you see 
up at the beginning before they've sort of decided on this con. So before the crash, where everyone at this place is just making a ton of money because all of these Wall Street guys have a ton of money so they can go into the strip club and just like rain thousands of dollars upon these people. So during that period, these women are making a ton of money, but also are being treated like absolute shit by these guys. And so you watch various scenes of them kind of putting up with this. And um, it is very unpleasant to watch, obviously, and you can tell that they really don't enjoy it, of course, but are like, well, I'm making all this money, so this is the decision that I've made to sort of deal with this shit in order to go home with this cash. Once the crisis happens, the you know number of people going to these clubs and the amount of money that they have to spend is obviously much lower. And so uh, the Constance Wu character... Uh, sort of leaves the scene for a couple of years because she has a child and has a relationship with this guy. And then when they break up, she winds up sort of going back into that world because she doesn't really have other resume friendly skills, right? Like this is what she's done for her whole adult life. And no one's really eager to hire her to work at like a, you know, department store. And um, because there isn't as much money, the Jennifer Lopez character has set up the sort of beginnings of this drugging scheme and because you have the earlier section where you've seen these guys not necessarily the specific characters although some of them do recur but this type of man treat them so shittily you're like yeah well (laughs) whatever (laughs) you know and obviously it's bad and it's not like I would suggest that like roofing people is ever acceptable but in the context of watching a movie you're like, well, you yeah, know, whatever. <laughs> um, but obviously then the situation becomes more complicated as the movie goes on and they get sort of too greedy as they go along. So instead of just of keeping course. this scheme in a sort of contained scope, which would allow them to probably keep going on for a long time because they too are Americans and love money, they sort of grow it out into this more expansive operation, which involves including other less reliable people. And uh, it's bad. It's just, it goes wrong. And then they're exploiting the men more and stealing more money and then wind up sort of taking money from people who don't have as much. And it just, you know, it's bad. Don't, don't do that. Not a good situation. Um, And needless to say, in this film about people committing crime, uh, they do get caught. Hence the article upon which this film is based. Um, And so it all kind of ends as you would anticipate. But because the people are so unsympathetic for so much of it, you can really go for much of the movie just being like, great, I love watching this. Like, (laughs) Let me kick back in my recliner and uh, enjoy this film. So it's smart about not letting them off exactly, but also allowing you to enjoy going along with it for about as long as you can get away with which is part of why the movie is so enjoyable I think along with you know Jennifer Lopez acting yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's talk about the individual characters because like there's actually a really big ensemble cast and it's such a fucking good ensemble cast so it's like I'm just gonna run through some of the characters because obviously you've got the big two you've got Julia Stiles whose role is like really low-key she's basically there kind of to provide like a sounding board in the like journalist role but then the other strippers like the main ones are played by Kiki Palmer and Lily Reinhardt from Riverdale who are both great 
I was absolutely cracking up at Lily Reinhardt because she has kind of like the, the dumb baby role, but it's also like really explicit that she is, while she is sort of like the one who's like a bit more naive and like there's a running gag where she's just always vomiting out of stress. It's like she puts on the dumb, sexy baby persona intentionally in just like a really funny way. And I was like, she's great. Kiki Palmer has like so many funny little mannerisms in this movie. <laughs> like she has just like little moments of physical comedy and stuff where you're like, you rule. I don't think I've ever seen her anything else. Um, but then the other, the kind of in the background, you've got other characters. You've got Lizzo and Cardi B both have sort of background roles as strippers in the club they're not like part of the main group but they are like really recognizable figures especially cardi b who has like a slightly bigger role and you're like hey great celebrity roles <laughs> um and then various shit men um and it was quite amusing because there were a couple of reviews that were kind of going around social media because it was like reviews by clueless men who like didn't understand why the men didn't have roles and they were like there's a scene where one of the men gives one of the strippers a laptop and like you don't really get it's not really explained and like one scene she's saying she doesn't have a laptop and then the next scene she just has, does have a laptop and I really felt like that wasn't clear and it's like what's to be explained <laughs> there's nothing more self-explanatory than like a stripper getting given luxury goods by a horny man <laughs> yes I, I most critics in general have been very positive about this movie but they are definitely going to few men who um well, it's really funny because I had the same experience as you which is like the only thing I saw from like the critics I personally follow and people who'd gone to previous screenings was just like glowing adoration and all of like my friends who are into movies were really looking forward to this but then when I kind of posted after watching the movie like I got a couple of replies from people who were like oh it's good is it I heard that film was just like kind of shit and <laughs> so it's like clearly there's like such a huge kind of social divide between the opinions on this not that it matters because it's doing well financially. And uh, I would be happy for J-Lo to get that Oscar nomination, you know. Also, yes. she's 50. And I realize this is a very obvious thing to say. But like watching the film and also like, of course, every every famous celebrity looks younger than they are, especially women. But 50 human earthling years old, Jennifer Lopez. Uh, what the fuck? How? It's it's ridiculous. I kept watching it and being like, this is just, this is, this is wrong. Like, I mean, obviously she's like genetically blessed, but every hour of her day must be spent doing some form of exercise or skincare routine. Obviously, like when you do a film like this, it's kind of like if you're doing an action movie where like you get shredded the day before. This film shoot, the whole movie was filmed in 29 days. Obviously, they were only filming the actual stripper scenes for a few of those days, but still... Jennifer, my goodness. And I realize that is the wrong angle to take here because also like her performance is fantastic. But um, I think the fact that she looks incredible is kind of key. What the fuck? She's 50. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll get into the actual performance very shortly. But I mean, they're inviting you to make this comment. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that is like she did like a fashion show the other day where she wore that like famous, I think it was Versace gown that like led to the creation of Google Images where she was like, I've not aged in 20 years. And it's like, you haven't. And that's fair. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. And like, obviously, I'm sure she's had work done. She's a famous person. It is just, it is impossible to look this good without having had some help. But whatever work she's had done is incredibly good work because she's looks... better than anyone else. Right. Like, normally when people have stuff done to their faces, you can tell immediately and it looks bad. And uh, yeah. she looks incredible. Like, she just doesn't have lines places people really should have lines by that age. 
Her muscles are great. Like she, as you say, must just work out five hours a day plus whatever she's doing to her skin is wild. And the makeup in this film is so good. She was on um, Seth Meyers the other night talking about this movie and her makeup was worse in real life. Like, I mean, it wasn't (laughs) bad makeup, but it was kind of a little bit too much. I felt like she just looked like it was just a lot of makeup. Whereas in this movie, it was, she's obviously wearing a ton of makeup, but it was so exquisitely applied that you just had this vision of her perfect face, you know? For anyone of that level of fame, you usually have your own makeup person. Jennifer Lopez will have her own makeup team that were working on it in this film. Maybe they weren't working with her on that particular talk show event, but it was like, oh, yeah, the makeup was like really interesting. So it's like, I feel like Jennifer Lopez, definitely her appearance in this is like the closest to her appearance in real life. Like she is styled in a way that is more conventionally flattering. Constance Wu has like a less flattering look. Like they've given her these really thin eyebrows that feel very kind of dated, but also appropriate to the character and setting. And I was just like, great choices all around. Lots of like stripper appropriate, brightly colored eyeshadow and stuff. <laughs> yes. Well, and the thing about Jennifer Lopez is, look which is interesting is that you are absolutely right i i'm sure she had her own people doing this but i think the way she tends to look in public is obviously like very good always of course but she does tend to overdo it a little bit i think sometimes like that's just her aesthetic it's fine she always looks great she's making her own choices i do not judge like sure but for this they clearly were being so attentive to how she was supposed to look on screen that it balanced out really well, I thought. And she looks so great naturally and the combination of the makeup and like her hair was done perfectly compared to the other characters who, as you say, like obviously they all looked beautiful, but they had adjusted it slightly so that they looked kind of of the time and like they're strippers. So they're looking at a certain way to please men. Right. And obviously Jennifer Lopez's character is that way also, but in a way where like, she is supposed to look the best of anyone in this movie. Like that's just clearly Her what they're hair. trying to achieve. I was oh just my like, God. she is Leonine and she I also know. looks enormous. Constance Wu is like short. Yes. So the height difference is like really accentuated. I don't know how tall Jennifer Lopez is. I can't imagine she's that tall, but obviously she's wearing like six inch heels all the way through the movie. But they give her this giant fur coat, which is her signature look in the film. And it's really interesting because it's like, obviously she is this usually very scantily clad, sort of sexy, very slim woman. But it's sort of the swagger is something that is usually performed by in real life and awarded to fictional men on screen, right? It's sort of like the gangster swagger and all the like body language she has and like the confidence and sort of like the top energy. It's all there. It's fantastic. <laughs> and I was just like, I love a female director. <laughs> this, this leads to a couple interesting things, right? One of which is that this movie has been compared to Goodfellas, a lot. Yeah. I feel like one other yeah. mob movie that I cannot recall off the top of my head, but like Goodfellas was the main comparison I was seeing everywhere, which I think is a very apt comparison. I haven't seen Goodfellas in years, but I mean, I remember enough to know that that seems appropriate. Also, that um, the way they were shooting the stripping scenes, only scene where the stripping is presented really at length and focused on is the scene you mentioned earlier with the Fiona Apple song, but obviously there are other scenes where it is shown was more of uh, a stunt or an athletic accomplishment as opposed to like, ooh, look at these sexy ladies, which is normally how it appears in films. Mm -hmm. And 
the Fiona Apple scene in particular, I was just like uh, in awe watching it that Lorraine Scafaria had managed to shoot this in a way that was obviously like extremely sexy. It's a stripper scene with like Jennifer Lopez barely wearing anything. Like, of course, it's not going to be like unsexy. But the way she shot it managed to make it not feel skeezy or gross. And yeah, it was like cool and powerful. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? I don't understand. Like, that's just like, what? It's, it's an incredible feat of filmmaking. And I don't even know, I would have to watch it a few more times, I think, and like on a DVD, you know, scanning back and forth to figure out the exact, like how she did that exactly with the shots. Because it's not like... Well, they, they shot the whole thing through relatively few times because Jennifer Lopez was just like, I cannot like definitely keep doing this, right? Yes. So they, the way they shot it like a stunt is like they had a fuckload of cameras shooting at once and they did it through like twice or something. So they just had like everything in one go. Yes. And it was all choreographed to like that song, obviously. I think they checked with her in advance. I mean, I'm sure they checked with her in advance. Like, yeah. I mean, they choreographed it all first. And then once they'd done the whole thing, they sent it to an Apple and then they filmed it. But it was sort of like they were, they were really banking on her saying yes. <laughs> yes. I think Jennifer Lopez asked her, herself which makes sense that wouldn't surprise me <laughs> it would be hard to say no yeah it would be like it's jennifer lopez <laughs> it's also you know the way that it is choreographed in addition to a way that it is framed mm -hmm. is very much her being like yeah i'm great give me all your money i'm gonna walk out of here literally clutching like an entire just pile of cash which reflects a lot of what the film is about, obviously. And so that you have this big sequence at the beginning that is sort of foreshadowing what the movie is doing, in addition to obviously establishing what this character's appeal is to all of these men. And also Constance Wu, who's just standing there like with her jaw dropping, right? Being like, oh my God. So you really need to have that in there. Like you can't have this movie without showing some of that. Like it is about strippers, but they managed to do it in a way that, I think is about as intelligent and effective as you can get without, you know, feeling exploitative, which I was just really impressed by. And then, so beyond all the physical stuff, obviously, like Jennifer Lopez is just incredible in this movie. Her performance is so good. We watched when we were on vacation earlier this year, the Steven Soderbergh movie Out of Sight, which uh, is her and George Clooney, and often is referenced by critics when this comes up as Soderbergh's best movie. And I had just never gotten around to seeing it because it came out in 98, I believe. And so we decided to watch it. And it's incredible. It is certainly one of his best films. I highly recommend it. It's really it. good. And it's also like basically the majority of J-Lo's movies are bad. Like, she's done a lot of bad movies, but then this movie right at the beginning of her career, fucking great. And then yes. she does, like, all of these, like, corny rom-coms. <laughs> so it's it's really interesting, because I was looking up some reviews of, of that film after we watched it, and she'd done an earlier film, Selena, a couple years before, which I think was her breakout. I don't know anything about it, but I think she's meant to be really good in that, too. And that was when everyone was like, oh, this who is this Jennifer Lopez person? She acts really well. And then Out of Sight was the one where... Everyone was like, oh my God, this woman is incredible. Like she's going to be this huge actress. And obviously Jennifer Lopez is an extremely famous person has had a very successful music career and has like acted a lot. But it's fascinating to me that she has basically not done a like good in quotes movie in like 20 years. And I would be interested to know how much of that is due to Hollywood not being interested in casting her and things. But it seems like this partially has to do with what she wants to do, right? Like it's just I mean, such partly a long she time. like wants to make like really 
populist entertainment and partly the number of movies I can think of that have like a decent role for Latina women is like none. Like big movies that can like have ja- like Jennifer Lopez money, unless she wants to do like a low budget indie, they don't exist. So, or they didn't right. like, you know, in 2002. Yes. I mean, obviously like the industry is, is against her, yeah. but it feels but also she's me... going to be like, give me $10 million, which is fair because she's Jennifer Lopez, you know. <laughs> it just, yeah, it just feels to me like there was some, like it was probably a combination of, there not yeah. being great opportunities initially and her she made choices too basically is my my feeling about this it was a lot of bad movies in a row you know like at a certain point you're like hmm interesting right so my sort of conception of her recently has been more of like she just feels like a famous person right like obviously she's had a lot of success as an actress and as a musician and doing various things like it's not that she doesn't do all those things right exactly she also isn't kind of like attached to any specific era which is interesting because like britney is so attached to a specific era but with jlo's music there's obviously certain songs where you're like this is from this year and brings back certain memories but she's not really dated possibly that it helps that she's not really gone through like a lot of physical or visual stylistic changes uh she's always (laughs) jlo Yes. And like she had the whole Benefer thing with Ben Affleck and then kind of went away a little bit after that. And then when she came back, I mean, not she totally vanished, but there definitely was like a, that was like the most publicized thing for a period of time. And so inevitably you're not going to be as much in the spotlight when that was over. But then when she came back, she, as you say, it was kind of just like the same. Like she's looked pretty similar uh, physically as well as stylistically for a long time. And she definitely has worked really hard to have her brand as a person, right? Like she's doing all this stuff with Alex Rodriguez, the former baseball player who she's now engaged to. And like they're on Instagram a lot. And like she has cultivated herself as a public figure, right? And so I think that part of the reason that everyone is sort of freaking out so much about this performance is, you know, sexism, racism, whatever. But also because this is how she has presented herself for so long. It's just as this sort of multi-hyphenate obviously she's done a lot of stuff but also she just exists in the culture as jennifer lopez right like she just is this person who's sort of a famous person yeah and it's also kind of like when you think about in terms of public image like her direct peers i guess would be britney beyonce and mariah right and like with mariah and beyonce you're just like these people are musical geniuses in one way or another and with Jennifer Lopez, it's like she's a hit maker, but also there's kind of a lot of conversation about whether she's plagiarized stuff, especially like a couple of songs from, that she kind of probably stole from Mariah, like whole cloth. But it's like she's got just this unbelievable star power. And watching this movie, you're like, holy fucking shit. Like she is just like this massive, massive like presence and energy, <laughs> which is just like so impressive. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, her her acting in this is astonishing like she uses all of what we were just describing in terms of her charisma her star power her presence in the culture in the service of this but it's also the specificity of her acting is extraordinary like it is definitely a particular performance that just sort of manages to use all of those other things and I was sort of like, why haven't you been doing this in other movies? But, you know, you know, bad directors, bad role choices. Like also something I want to talk about in this film is the body language. There is so much kind of manipulative physical closeness 
in this film where it's like she's simultaneously very sort of touchy-feely and sort of maternal towards the other girls like the younger women who are in her gang and sort of very intimate and like very sensual and kind of the way that she uses kind of her hair and her fur coat and like the way they kind of shoot that you can like almost feel what it's like and you can almost smell like the clouds of perfume but at the same time sometimes you can just see how intentional it is like in the latter half of the movie she brings in like another girl who's essentially Constance Wu's rival like a new girl who's going to be more like biddable all of a sudden they're all up in each other's personal space and they're really kind of physical with each other and it's like oh okay this is like a really intentional tactic that this character uses to like bond closely with other women it was just like ah so many levels great characterization (laughs) well and this is what i thought was so interesting about the romance element that you were describing earlier the movie is absolutely structured like that it's very homoerotic which is so many of the critics also were like what a what a great depiction of platonic female friendships specifically using that word and i was like if you feel compelled to specify that like i think you maybe and i'm also like you and i are platonic female friends and uh it's not like that (laughs) no not at all and like clearly the emotions are very sincere and like the note the movie ends on makes that clear it's very affecting but part of what's so smart writers there is no fanfic for hustlers i mean Obviously, like, people write less fanfic about women, and I think maybe it's a little harder to, like, capture Jennifer Lopez's vocal patterns than, like, a random Avenger. But still, come on! The vibe (laughs) is there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think Yuletide may be a large market for this. Um, (laughs) But part of what I think is smart about the movie is that even in the parts I was describing where you're totally just along for the ride and you're like, great, like, fuck those men, it is... It is smarter than that, and sort of the undercurrents of the film are a little bit more ambivalent. And these people are all scammers, right? And so the relationship between the two of them also is there's just a little bit of something underneath the whole thing where you're like, mm, like, is it totally sincere? And like, they don't, like, I think they're just a tiny bit suspicious of each other the whole time, also. Yeah. The and there are points where you're like, Constance Wu's character is kind of, I mean, obviously she's using her, but it's like, it's a, business relationship primarily obviously so yes and the thing about the Constance Wu character that I think works really well is that even though she is definitely a lot more sympathetic and sort of naive at the beginning than the character as presented in the article is like there is still something about her that's a little bit slippery and tough strategic by the end and they also do a good job of like really making it clear why she's like that and like her background you know you kind of hear about like her parents and she's really devoted to her grandmother and later her daughter and like you can see kind of all of the different elements of her life that's like led to her having this attitude and she's like simultaneously really sympathetic and you're also just like okay you're willing to do stuff that's like pretty extreme yes like I found her definitely very sympathetic but wasn't like but you deep down really are a great person right I was like no you you don't seem great but I feel feel for you, right? Which I think the movie, that's kind of what the movie's thesis is in a lot of ways, is that you're definitely meant to feel for these women and understand why they're doing what they're doing. And it's making all these points about Wall Street and capitalism. But it's not arguing that, like, they actually are, they actually are good. They were just pushed to it. It's like, well, you know, you don't have to be drugging people. <laughs> like, that's not necessary. Um, it could have been much sort of dumber. And it 
is too smart to sort of go too far in that direction, which I appreciated. And which makes that central relationship just a little bit kind of more complicated, which I appreciated a lot because it could have been more simplistic. And instead you have this kind of like, eh. and you know, it doesn't end great for them. So that, you know, yeah, I just thought it was really, really smart. And funny, funny movie. Yes, really, really funny, which also obviously makes it fun to watch. Yeah, just like such a fantastic time at the cinema. I cannot recommend this highly enough. One of the best movies I've seen so far this year, for sure. Uh, it makes me so happy that it's making money. It's such a validation of like <laughs> cinema. Please go see it, basically. Is there anything else we want to say about this before we conclude? I think we're good. I mean, I really liked um, all the like Chopin because like obviously most of the music is like they've got a kind of combination of obvious strip club music from the kind of 2010s early 2010s they've also got some really great pop hits like there's an awesome Britney moment where you're just like it's Britney bitch and I was like I mean this is about the same time when I think I went to see Britney live like when I was in college which was a delightful and supreme experience um, but also kind of during, there's a lot of like shopping montages because obviously it's like, finally we have financial freedom and they have like these kind of Chopin studies that are just this beautiful, like mellifluous kind of arpeggios, very luxurious. And it's just like a really great choice to offset the other music in this film. And it's just like, you can absolutely tell how much the director is like obsessed with music and has got like really precise choices that were there, like even early in the kind of her writing process for making the movie. Yeah, the music was fantastic. Loved it. And I didn't, couldn't, it was a lot of sort of songs where like, I could not tell you the names of those songs, but I have absolutely heard them as like a person who was alive at this period yeah. of time. <laughs> and then the combination of that and the classical music was so smart and um, added to just the feeling of pleasure watching it, right? Like this movie wants you to enjoy it. And I appreciate that so much from a movie that is also trying to be like a work of art, right? Like so much often you get this division between movies that are meant to be like pop entertainment that aren't actually that good and movies that are like serious art that aren't meant to be enjoyed. And like most of my favorite films fall into that latter category and that's totally fine. But when you get a movie that kind of melds those two things together, it's just, thank you. Fantastic. So yeah, endorsed Ghosty Hustlers. Uh, Jennifer Lopez should win an Oscar. I think she might actually do it. There was a great tweet by um, Vanity Fair I mean, there's editor. a lot of competition, but she could be in for a nomination. Oh, sh I think she's absolutely getting nominated. And then we'll see about the win. But um, Katie Rich, uh, the editor at Vanity Fair, tweeted something to the effect of, like, we all fucked up by not, like, giving Matthew McConaughey an Oscar for Magic Mike. And we have our chance to fix it by giving Jennifer Lopez this Oscar. <laughs> and I was like, it's true. It's all true. Like do it so uh we shall see so that's our episode on hustlers thank you for listening as always next week we will be discussing a very different film ad astra which is all about men starring brad pitt who goes yeah. to space i mean i was just saying on our twitter account between these two movies you have like a full gender studies class because they're both like they've got so much commentary on kind of relationships and gender roles and especially masculinity even though this film is all about women it's like here's toxic masculinity in its kind of capitalist context. And then Ad Astra starring Brad Pitt is all about kind of repressed manhood, but like in a really kind of self-aware and intelligent way, kind of covering something we've seen before, but um, good, mostly. 
So yes. uh, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Yes. So uh, both of those are out in wide release currently, which is just wild after a sort of period of time where there was not a lot of good stuff in wide release. You have these two movies out at wide release at the same time. You're, you're all very lucky. Please go see, go to the movies. Like this is a good period. Um, so yeah, uh, we will be back with that. Uh, if you would like to support us on Patreon, where we have recently had uh, a commentary track for Jupiter Ascending uh, and a mini-sode on the miniseries adaptation of North and South, uh, and where I will shortly be posting my uh, New York Film Festival diary uh, with lots of updates from the festival, which I have already started going to screenings for, uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash overinvestedpodcast. Gavia, where can our listeners find you and your work online? You can find my writing on The Daily Dot, and you can find me on Twitter at hello underscore Taylor. And you can find me on Twitter at ML Davies. The podcast is on Twitter at OverinvestedPod. We are on Tumblr at OverinvestedPodcast, and our website is OverinvestedPodcast.com. Thanks. Bye.